はい、お疲れ。Hey everybody, welcome to My Time in Japan, where each episode brings you memories, history, and lore from the land of the rising sun. I'm your host, Paul Chan, an army vet, web developer, gamer, and Japanese enthusiast. Today we're going to be talking about a city that is a household name, even for those who know little about Japan. In the stories I'm going to relate to you over the course of this podcast, I have decided to anonymize the names of individuals I interacted with for the sake of privacy. There will be a few exceptions to this, but only with their express permission. Also, it's my intention to show respect to Hiroshima's history, so a decent portion of this episode is going to be on the somber side, just to give you a heads up. Before living in Japan, when I would tell friends or classmates about my mission call, it was not uncommon to receive a response like, Really? Is it safe to be there? Or is there even a city there? Of course it was safe. Hiroshima is a thriving, massive city. While it may not be the same size as Tokyo, it is indeed a metropolis. Honestly, Hiroshima is beautiful, with such spectacles as the Itsukushima Shrine on Miyajima, Hiroshima Castle, or even just the stunning scenery set against the Seto Inland Sea. I first landed in Japan on March 17th, 2009. We flew from Salt Lake City to Los Angeles, then to Seoul, from there to Tokyo, Narita, and finally to Hiroshima. I remember bits and pieces about the journey, but my journal entry for the night was fairly short. I wrote about walking off the plane to the salty ocean smell in the air, seeing the sun as a giant red orb reminiscent of the Japanese flag, and flying close to Mount Fuji. My handwriting, although normally sloppy, was worse than usual, and I can see the lettering go crazy from where I almost fell asleep while writing. I was so jet lagged that I even nodded off during our dinner with the welcoming party. Though I would spend the majority of the next two years sleeping atop tatami on thin futons, I think most people in the US would pronounce this word like futon, the bed I had that night felt like a cloud. So, a quick note for those who may not be familiar with some of the nomenclature of missions and missionaries within my faith tradition each geographical mission or dendobu has a volunteer president or kaicho. Short for Dendo Bukaicho, who helps manage mission efforts, inspires all under his stewardship, and assigns missionaries to specific cities or regions. President Hamada, or Hamada Kaicho, and his wife Hamada Shimai, or sister Hamada, were a lovely couple. For the duration of my time in the Hiroshima mission, they were, as some of us lovingly referred to them, our mission mom and dad. The next morning, we were treated to a traditional washoku or Japanese style breakfast, including, among other items, salmon, miso soup, and natto. If you're not familiar with natto, it's basically a high protein foodstuff made from fermented soybeans with roughly the consistency of mucus. Side note one of my instructors at the training center had encouraged us to attempt a seven day natto challenge as a way to show our willingness to respect the culture we would be participating in. I will have you know, I did accomplish the challenge later on and finally reached the point where my gag reflex didn't trigger whenever I tried to take a bite, but this was not that day. The Hamadas then took us to a couple of key places around the city. Firstly, to the Peace Memorial Park and Museum. 
and in my journal I recorded that we were the first group of arriving missionaries to be taken to the museum, and I considered that an honor. They wanted to help us understand the history of the region. Hamada Shimai told me that up until that visit, even they hadn't known much about what had happened in Hiroshima. Let's rewind a few years to my high school Japanese class. Malcolm Sensei, or Mr. Malcolm, would occasionally show us films in Japanese with English subtitles. One day we watched Barefoot Gen, or Hadashi no Gen. He warned us that some of the film would be disturbing, as it contained an accurate portrayal of what the destruction of the atomic weapon looked like. It was hard to watch, and I felt a great deal of sadness for the loss, pain, and death experienced by so many. Walking through the museum made what I saw in that film much more real. It wasn't just an animated film for me anymore. It was an actual event that dramatically altered the course of life for so many. In my journal, all I recorded about the experience was that there was a very somber spirit in the air. However, I still remember what it was like to walk through those hallowed halls. I could almost tangibly feel the emotions and pain of the individuals who endured the terror of such a dark time. One of the artifacts on display was a picture of a clock that was forever stopped at 8.15 a.m. on August 6, 1945, the moment of detonation. Reading through this plaque, I was hit with a weight and purpose that made me feel connected to Hiroshima in a way that was difficult to explain. A few months earlier, I had gone through basic training and AIT, or Advanced Individual Training, as a combat engineer at Fort Leonard Wood. One day, our entire company was brought to the museum on post where we learned about the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Among the historical relics was an old Japanese imperial flag, along with a plaque noting the Corps' role in the Manhattan Project. Then, at the end of basic training, I graduated on the morning of August 6th. And if I recall correctly, the ceremony must have happened around 0800 hours. I felt overwhelmed. This may sound crazy, but I think it was too much of a coincidence. Whether it was some act of divine providence or a message from the universe, I strongly felt that I was meant to be in Hiroshima. To have this opportunity to serve there felt like a chance for me, at least in some small way, to help heal and to be a bridge builder. Outside, the surrounding gardens felt serene and peaceful. I remembered learning about Sasaki Sadako, last name first per the Japanese custom, in high school, and was able to see the statues and beautiful origami displays there to honor her memory. She was a victim of the bombing and had become very ill due to irradiation. Tradition or legend has it that anyone who folds a thousand paper cranes will be granted a wish. Sadako folded over a thousand paper cranes, wishing to be healed before ultimately passing away. Every year, children across the world still fold paper cranes in her memory and send them to be included in the display. I recently sent Hamada Shimai a message asking her if she remembered our experience at the memorial and if she had any thoughts about it that she wanted to contribute. She shared the following. 
It doesn't matter if you're Japanese or not, but as human beings in general, we should know what happened in Hiroshima. To this day, a large number of people still die because of the effects of radiation passed from generation to generation. Without knowing the culture and the historical background, it would be difficult to truly come to know the people. She also said that there are still feelings of hatred and pain that exist among some people in Hiroshima. I don't have any negative feelings towards Americans, she said, but many in both the United States and Japan still have complex feelings. Visiting the Peace Park in Hiroshima was one of the ways in which we were able to understand the tragedy of war and the importance of peace. Also in Hiroshima, we admire the people's willingness to forgive their enemies. If I were a family member of one of the victims, I don't know how I would deal with it. Let's pause here for a bit. I don't know about you, but for me, some of that was pretty heavy. Honestly, I don't usually know how to approach these kinds of topics. I, like I'm sure many others, often have a hard time encountering sadness and pain. So I just want to take a moment to breathe. To end off, I have a couple of lighter memories to share, though I believe they were from subsequent trips back to Hiroshima a year or more later. Picture a savory or umami pancake filled with onions, cabbage, and pork. Add some crisp pan-fried yakisoba noodles, bonito fish flakes, and dried nori or seaweed on top, then smother it with okonomi sauce and perhaps some kewpie mayonnaise. If you're familiar with Hiroshima, then chances are you know the delectable dish I'm talking about. Yep, you've got it. Hiroshima Fu or Hiroshima style okonomiyaki. I think the restaurant may have moved from its original location, but I was first introduced to this delicacy at Ichan, close to Hiroshima Eki Station. If you ever find yourself in the area, please do yourself a solid and go give it a try. Last but not least, I want to share the experience I had with Chris, one of the missionaries I worked with towards the end of my time in Japan. I couldn't find the journal entry, so I reached out to him and explained what I remembered. Thankfully, he was able to corroborate this story. We were walking the streets close to the Peace Park one evening when Chris and I heard music coming from beneath an overpass by the river. I hadn't heard the tune before, but we went down to find a group gathered together. One individual was playing the guitar, and another was providing the vocals. The group around them was adding in a slight chant during the chorus. I couldn't understand the words, but it was a happy and lighthearted song with a smidge of nostalgia. We approached them afterward to thank them for the music and left feeling very uplifted. When we were chatting about this the other day, Chris said that the memory stuck out to him because the group was playing Shimanshu Nutakura by Begin, and the Okinawa vibes were so inviting. He had lived in Okinawa when he was younger, so he knew the song. Thanks to that, I was able to find it on Spotify, and sure enough, it was the song I remembered. It brought me right back to that beautiful moment in Hiroshima. Next episode, we're heading north of Hiroshima to Shimane Prefecture and the city of Izumo, home to quite a few important historical and spiritual landmarks. We'll talk about how my budding Japanese skills almost got me left behind at a random rest stop and start to explore this beautiful area where I would spend the next seven months of my life. 
Thanks for listening to my time in Japan. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find all my social media handles and other content at paul-chan.1. You can usually find me streaming around 9pm Mountain Time most evenings at twitch.tv slash paulchan14. Tune in for some good vibes, awesome games, and daily Japanese language tips. Don't forget to hit that follow button, and please feel free to leave a review. If you have any comments or questions, you can reach me at podcast at paul-chan.1. And remember, stay genki.